Hey everybody, welcome to episode 41 here in What About Therapy. I'm Enoch Fossum and I'm a certified mindfulness life coach. And I'm Austin Ivey and I'm certified in the basics of acceptance and commitment therapy. And today we're going to be finding out if you are addicted to your relationship and what that could look like. So join us on this episode of What About Therapy. Let's talk about it. Alrighty then, let's get right into it today. Um, you just did a massive head shake. You <laughs> yeah, can't see I it. I but... you can hear that in the recording. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I was channeling my inner Ace Ventura, if anyone's ever seen that movie. Um, but we're talking about codependency, which we coined, it, well not we coined, but one of the articles that we found calls it relationship addiction. So yeah. there's a lot of I guess there's a lot of information on this on like TikTok. I've seen a lot on TikTok about codependency and it's like a word that I didn't know. It's a thing that I didn't know much about and I heard a lot about it and I thought I knew what it was. I was kind of right. But um, as I did some research, watched videos, read a little bit into it, some articles, I learned a little bit more about it and I know that Enoch knew a little bit about it as well. And so we're going to share our insight with you of what codependency is in a relationship. So darn right yeah we're just gonna get right into it and the articles that we found that we read to get some information on this come from verywellmind.com and the mental health i think it's mental health america national.org so we're gonna as always put those in the show notes if you want to go read them yourself they're great resources we highly recommend you read them yourself but if you don't want to we're gonna give you the gist here but getting right into the, summer, the summary, this comes straight from the uh, Mental Health America article. It says that codependency is an emotional and behavioral condition that affects an individual's ability to have a healthy, mutually satisfying relationship. It is also known as a relationship addiction because people with codependency often form or maintain relationships that are one-sided, emotionally destructive, and or abusive. So a couple of things from that. Um, codependency isn't a... Like diagnosable condition in any diagnostic manual in the ICD or the DSM. I don't think it is in the ICD. I know for sure it's not in the DSM. So you can't really be diagnosed with codependency. It's more right. of like a behavioral criteria. Yeah. Like it's more of like a nuanced thing. But there is like dependent personality disorder that we'll probably talk about sometime in the future. Uh, it's one of the types of personality disorders, and it, it's kind of like this. But it's more of like a I don't know, like a behavioral pattern that you can notice in yourself and put a name to it and yeah. kind of understand what you're going through. Yeah. And um, as we said before, one of the best ways to conceptualize it is by calling it a relationship addiction because that's basically what it is. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that con- conceptualizes this the best is relationship addiction because we are trying to think of a way to phrase codependency that's easy to understand that makes sense and relationship addiction is the best one by far that we've come across absolutely yeah so and i think when when i first thought of codependency anyway i thought of things like being dependent on another person for something it's like being dependent kind of thing you know that's kind of the vibes you get from it codependency you're dependent on on another person to give you things and to run your life yeah i always kind of saw it as like a immaturity thing like you're you depend on your spouse for or like the person in your relationship for um 
like your emotional stability and things right. like that. And yeah. you depend yeah. on them for your happiness. Like everything, mm-hmm. them in your life, you depend on them. And I guess in a way a little bit, but... But kind of the opposite. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah. it's weird. The actual like term that we're talking about today is a little bit different than just depending on someone for your well-being. Um, like we just said, it's kind of the opposite. But it's that's a good way to look at it to get a little bit of an idea. And keep the idea of a relationship addiction in your mind as we talk about this, because as we talk about it more and paint the picture, you can see why it could be conceptualized as an addiction, because some of the symptoms, like quote-unquote symptoms, or the behaviors that someone with codependency can get into are a lot like they would be treating a substance or some other addictive behavior like sex or gambling. So they treat their relationships like an addiction. So interesting idea, but hopefully that starts to make sense. That's the picture we're trying to paint as right. we go forward. Yeah, and if you do want to avoid things like this, there is a book called How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk. And yes, it's not completely about codependency, but this will help you. That book talks about red flags to look for, not only in a partner, but in things that you do with that partner as well that can cause you to become a codependent person or an addict to that relationship which is interesting and fascinating really i mean it's mm-hmm. yeah it's awesome anyway so this quotes from very well mind right this one here yeah this one is yeah cool so codependency is a circular circular relationship in which one person needs the other person who in turn needs to be needed the codependent person known as the giver feels worthless unless they are needed by and making sacrifices for the enabler, otherwise known as the taker. It's by Dr. Exelberg. What a name. It sounds like the, what's his name on Sonic? Oh. The bad guy. I know who you're talking about. Jim Carrey's character. Eggman or something. Yeah, I want to say Eggbird, but I know that's not right. (laughs) But that's what it made me think of. Leave it in the comments if you're listening and you know, because oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to look it up. But this, and we'll talk more about this in detail here in a minute, but this is really, I guess it's more apparent in relationships with narcissists because the narcissists are just takers, right? They don't really give unless it's for something that they'll get. And usually codependency can be really hard to spot in other relationships if they're not in a relationship with a narcissist because sometimes a lot of the times even the taker or the enabler sometimes doesn't know that they're enabling this person into this codependent relationship and they're just kind of going with the flow and if they don't know what that looks like then sometimes they'll just keep on taking because the Mm -hmm. person keeps giving and of course, the intent both ways can be good. It's like, I, I want to give this to you. And the person receiving will say, okay, I'll take it. I'm not going to say no. And so they can just get in that endless cycle of going on and on, which is fascinating. But you can see how we're getting more into this relationship addiction, how with any other drug, with any other substance, there's a cycle that you tend to fall into. Yeah, and this cycle of codependency. I love how Dr. Exelberg says it here. A person who needs a 
So a person who's codependent needs another person who in turn needs to be needed, which is just, it goes back and forth and it's wild. Yeah. And you can kind of see like the drug in this, like addiction, whatever, that's what you want to call it is the, is the dynamic of the relationship where the person can become right. like a martyr or the savior or the, I don't know, insert term here. I, I like the word savior because that's like the kind of, they put themselves into, they sacrifice themselves. They, right. they, um, they give themselves for the other person and that in turn makes them feel good about themselves. That's where they right. find their feelings yeah. of self-worth. And we're going to talk about how that develops here in a minute. Yeah. They're like, if I don't sacrifice, if I don't do something for that person, then they might leave or they might not feel loved by me. Also, yeah. I need to sacrifice this or I need to do this for that person and put off my time, my things to do this for them. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't want to say they're really bad at self care in a way, but they are. And they have good intentions, right? Because they want to sacrifice the part of themselves for the other person that they love. But you can see how that's just really unhealthy when you neglect yourself Mm-hmm. And if you do that for long enough, that's just going to cause issues. Yeah, it messes up the dynamic. And um, <clears throat> Yeah. Like one other thing that I wanted to touch on is that I think the like most cases you're going to find um, some type of narcissistic trait, like how you were bringing up, that there's going to be some type of that going on with the taker. And um, I think it's also important to know that you can find codependent traits. You might have full-blown codependency in your relationship. But I found as I've researched this and I've reflected on myself, I have a lot of codependent um, traits in yeah. some ways, like especially yeah. with the symptoms that we're about to go over, I have some codependent traits and I recognize that and and then I kind of worked that back a little bit further and realized that it has made some negative impacts on the n- dynamic of my relationship, especially when mm. I was first married. It's gotten better since then, but um, I kind of worked through it without even knowing it, I guess. It just kind of came with working on the marriage, but... Maybe as you're listening and you're in a relationship, either that be like a like engagement, marriage, maybe even a, this can be between a boss and an employee as well, or a parent yeah. and, a, yep. and a child if you are codependent on your, let's say you are codependent on your parent or vice versa, you know? And so it can be in any relationship and it doesn't have to be full-blown codependency for it to be, to, for it to have a, an effect on your relationship. Right, for and it so, to cause issues. Yeah, the the same type of negative effects that full-blown codependency could have. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out. But what does it look like, you might be asking? Well, we're going to tell you. Um, we have a few here, just a few bullet points that we're going to blow through. But the first one, these all come from the Very Well Mind article. Uh, the first, I guess, symptom or trait that comes with codependency is that the codependent person has a sense of walking around walking on eggshells around the person to avoid conflict. And so they want, they don't want to get into a, a tiff or a tussle <laughs> or an argument. Right. And so they're going to walk on eggshells and be very careful about what they say and what they do around the other person. So they don't um, bring something up that is going to maybe take away their drug, their relationship, you know? So, yeah. Cause they want that person to have the best life possible mm-hmm. to, be having a great day and so if there's something that the codependent person wants to bring up that could cause issues they tend to just shove it underneath the bed and don't talk about it be very careful what they say so as to yeah. not bring that up so right. the walking wanna, on eggshells yeah. don't want to cause any hard feelings or anything and bring up any tension avoid that and so they'll do anything to maintain to get around them yep. yeah to maintain unhealthy homeostasis to maintain the peace yeah 
Yeah. Interesting stuff there. Yeah. So the next one here is the feeling is feeling the need to check in with the other person and or ask permission to do daily tasks. And I've had this happen in my life. I think I mean, as, as I'm going through this, I'm thinking, have I done something like this? And I would think so. I mean, at some points in my life, I did feel like I need to ask permission to do something, whether that be, I don't know what's a good, what a good example is, you know, have some, have 40, 30 minutes to play some video games. From you to be to go fishing. Like if yeah. I wanted to go fishing, yeah. ask my wife for permission Yeah. as an a, a independent adult male to go fishing. Right. Yeah. Or to um, go to the gym or yeah. to do things for you you kind of feel some tension around that to Mm -hmm. ask, hey, can I go do this for me? And the codependent person doesn't want to do that because, hey, that could cause some tension, that could cause problems, and that would make my partner's life miserable, Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't be having the greatest day. So I'm just not going to go there. Yeah. I think that's a big one, too. Like, that's one that I noticed for myself, and I still have this problem. Like, I like to go fishing. I talked about this a lot on the podcast. He's a fisher. I feel the need to ask permission. Bedtime. (laughs) To go to bed. No, um, (laughs) to go fishing. And it's it's mainly out of respect, of course, because if my wife wants to spend time with me or has other plans for us that I didn't know about, I want to make sure that she, that I respect her time and her wishes for our relationship, I guess. Yeah. um, uh, I guess it it's grown to that more. But at first it was like, I feel like I needed to ask permission as to avoid her having negative feelings towards me in any way. Yeah. And it's more from that more of it's like, it's a respect thing. But like I said, when we first got married, it was, I was afraid that I was going to cause a problem. And I feel like I needed to ask her permission as if like a elementary school kid asked permission to go to the bathroom. Um, super dependent and the opposite of independent in that way, I guess. So, that's kind of how it looked for me. Maybe it looks different for you. And it's a, it is a trait of codependency. Uh, the next one here um, says that it's, uh, you're often, the codependent person is often being the one who apologizes, even if you have done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge uh, culprit of this, just to avoid the negative feelings that might right. come up. Even if they're wrong, you still apologize to avoid an argument, to avoid a tiff. Right. And, uh, I feel like that's a natural thing too, like to yeah. avoid that tension. You just apologize. Yeah. And it's interesting, it's interesting to see that it is a, a trait of codependency. Yeah. And I feel like this is something that's coming up more and more these days is you don't need to apologize if you didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I'm seeing more of that. It's very important. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. But I definitely know a lot of people that say that apologize and they didn't do anything wrong, just trying to keep that peace. And obviously there are, you know, I would argue there are certain situations to where, sure, like the Bible, agree with your enemy to avoid tension, mm-hmm. you know. But if you do that over and over again, that'll cause codependency, which will over time build up and hurt you because you'll start feeling bad for yourself for doing nothing wrong. Yeah. And you fall into that you'll fall into that victim mode. Yeah. I think you, know? you point out something really important is that there's nothing wrong with saying sorry, even if it isn't your right. fault. Like, cause not everything is one person's fault. There's always something you could have done better. So apologizing isn't always inappropriate, even if it's not your fault. Um, but you shouldn't be doing it if it's affecting you negatively. Right. Constantly. 
Yeah. Like apologizing is going to affect you negatively, especially when you're in the wrong. It's going to hurt you a little bit. But if you're constantly doing that, especially when you're in the right or when you've done nothing wrong, that's going to cause some some real issues. So it can't be at the behest of your own mental health to always be apologizing. And that's going to be the case with a lot of these symptoms or whatever you want to call them. If you do it every now and then, that's fine. Everyone does it. But when it starts to take chips away at your own mental health or at the relationship itself and it starts to cause problems, that's how you know you're starting to get into the codependency rather than just the natural relationship dynamics. Right. Yeah, and you put this one in a relationship with a narcissist. The narcissist mm-hmm. is going to use this to gaslight the heck out of you. Mm-hmm. When all you do is apologize, they're going to keep gaslighting you yeah. in those certain situations because they they know that you're going to keep that peace and say, I'm sorry, it was my fault, even though it wasn't. And so the narcissist will do what they can to take advantage of you in that way and make you apologize so they don't have to. Yeah, Gaslight Central. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The next one here is the codependent person does anything for the other person, even if it makes them feel uncomfortable. That one's an interesting one. Yeah, I could think of like, if you, especially if your partner knows like that you don't like doing something specifically and they ask yeah. you to do it and they push you to do it, think about the narcissistic personality yeah thing because here. they know you'll do it yeah and they take advantage of you as the giver or even in, an, in a in a non-narcissistic relationship um if uh they don't know that you're uncomfortable with the thing or doing something for them and instead of asserting yourself and saying no you just kind of swallow it and say yeah of course i'll do it just because you want them to have the perfect life right going back mm-hmm. to that codependency trait to feel that way and that's kind of what i thought when i when i saw that that you would do anything and everything for that person, even if it is at the behest of your own well-being. Right. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if you've seen that picture where there are two people made out of puzzle pieces and one, the giver, is giving, like the picture is this person that's giving has a bunch of missing puzzle pieces and they're giving pieces to this other person who is has all the pieces is it, is it missing a piece yeah it's a completed puzzle or maybe yeah. he's missing one mm-hmm. and so the codependent person gives the giver or the codependent person is the giver so they Gives give the taker. the taker these puzzle pieces they don't that they don't need and they just keep on giving which the at the consequence of they're losing themselves as they keep on giving yeah, so. i've seen another one where it was like two fish bowls right next to each other and the fishbowl, and there was like a, I guess a straw connecting the two and, um, the fishbowl on the left is like almost overflowing or like completely full and the fishbowl on the right is like the fish blowing or pushing water from his bowl into the other bowl hmm. and he's almost running out of water and yeah. you can see like the distress on his face Yeah. or her, it's, <laughs> it's face, it's a fish, <laughs> who cares? Um, you can see the distress on its face and, um, yeah. you can that's kind of like a good way to, I guess, visualize it, that it's putting the mask on the person next to you before yourself in the event of a loss of cabin pressure on an airplane. You know, like that whole thing that you always have to put the mask on yourself. Codependent person is always going to be focused on mask on the other person, water on the other bowl, puzzles to the other person, even if I need those puzzle pieces. And so, and again, we keep going back to this, and that's not always a bad thing. That just shows empathy and love but it is unhealthy and ruins the relationship dynamic 
when it starts to take away from your mental health and well-being. Yeah. He's like Future, the rapper. Mask off. Mask. (laughs) (laughs) Forgot about that. Mask off. Mask off. They don't want that mask on. They just (laughs) give the masks to other people. Everyone have a mask. So Future could be codependent. Maybe he is. That's, that could be a little you heard it here first, folks. Easter egg there. Future is codependent. <laughs> um, official diagnosis, not really. Um, next symptom here, next trait, is that um, the codependent person will put the other person on a pedestal, put the other person on a pedestal, despite the fact that they don't merit this position. So, I, the, I guess the phrase that might be used is perfect. Like you see, the other person is perfect, or. Um, they don't have any problems. Yeah, flawless. I'm the only ones with the problems. Yeah, I'm the problem in the relationship. I'm ugly. They're not. Yeah, they're, they never cause problems in the relationship. They never start the arguments. I always do, and so I need to do better. It's always my fault. Um, I'm it's sorry. always my fault. Yeah, I'm, lots of I'm sorry's involved. So going back to the yeah. symptom, few symptoms ago. So that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. But it happens a lot in codependent relationships. The last one here is a need for other people to like you in order to feel good about yourself. And this one is probably the most apparent in almost everybody's life mm-hmm. at one point or another, especially through high school, you know? Yeah. You have to have people to like you before you even feel good about yourself because if no one likes you, then you're ugly, you're fat, you're exactly. too skinny. And so you need that validation from other people. Obviously, validation is important. But at the end of the day, you're always going to be here for you and you need to love yourself first before anyone else loves you. And the codependent person is dependent on the person they're in a relationship with to validate that, to validate, pause. My tongue got a little caught there. <laughs> to validate the, uh, the codependent person and how they look, feel, feel look feel sound mm-hmm. going with it <laughs> all that just go for it yeah go for it but um yeah i mean they're always looking for validation and when they don't get it they fall into that whether that be depression anxiety thinking oh my gosh i'm not good enough and they just kind of get into that negative feedback loop almost like a relationship withdrawal like yeah they're not getting what they need from the relationship so and that is the validation that comes from being in a relationship. And so they're not getting that, like the faux withdrawals of being in that addicted relationship. I just going back to that analogy. It's right. Helpful, but. Right. But here's the thing with people that are codependent, they don't just change or leave the relationship if they're not getting it. Mm-hmm. They stay, which, which, why I think the term relationship addiction is so is a great name for it because they stay, they put that person on the pedestal and they blame themselves over and over again, apologizing over and over again. It's always their fault. So why would they leave a relationship when it's not the other person's fault? They're great. They're awesome. It's my fault. And I need to stay because if I leave, this other person is going to be really sad. Yeah. And, not have a great day and not have a good life because of me so i'll just stay and you can see how that could be dangerous for like a narcissistic yeah relationship where one of the where the taker is an actual narcissist or has some intense narcissistic traits because they're just going to play into that and manipulate them and um you could even get into infidelity that like 
if let's say the other person, the taker cheats and the, um, let's say the giver stays in the relationship because they see that as their fault because they're the codependent yeah. relationship. And I'm, I'm not to say that, that happens all the time, but it could, and you could see right, how that yeah. could lead to that and how this codependency could lead to an unhealthy attachment yeah. to the person, like the taker. And like we said earlier, sometimes takers aren't necessarily narcissists. They're just unaware of the fact that their spouse or their, their person or the, the person they're in a relationship with is codependent and is a, and is a giver. And so they just kind of play into the taker trait without even knowing it. And so you have to be careful. And if you feel like maybe your spouse is a giver or a codependent person, it's important for you to be aware of the signs that they're showing as a codependent person. So you don't unawaring, unawaringly, unawaringly. I think so. Sounds right. Go with it. Yeah. You are unaware of the fact that you are playing into the maybe narcissistic taker trait where you are taking advantage of your person because of their ability and their willingness to just give themselves up for you and yeah. sacrifice for you. And so, because I don't want to pay every person who's a taker in a relationship, codependent relationship as it's a narcissist, but I'm sure there's plenty right. of those for right. sure. Right, right. But um, just for any one of those who may feel like their spouse or maybe boyfriend, girlfriend is codependent, it goes back to the empathetic grace. Just be aware of the fact that they have these problem and don't take advantage of them. Right. Because it'd be easy to. Yeah, just take inventory, see how you respond to those situations. And if the your spouse or the person you're in a relationship with is a giver and you realize that, oh, crap, I've only been taking. Mm-hmm. I haven't been giving. That's okay. You can change, notice, recognize it, and start to give back as well and not just take. Because, I mean, it can be easy to fall into that because it's it's nice. It's luxury. Yeah, they're just willing to do anything for willing you. Willing to do everything, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They'll give you whatever they want, whatever you want, do whatever you want to do, and they'll just go with it. And so I've definitely fallen into that trap as well. Me too. Because my wife loves to do things for me mm-hmm. all the time. And she's not not saying she's codependent at all. She's just very empathetic and very giving. And I've fallen into that trap of nice cool was everything i wanted to because she'll do it you know yeah and we've had awesome talks about this actually in in the past of that we also need to do things that she wants to do mm-hmm. you know and so that's something that we still work on so yeah and it's a it's a learning curve yeah and um it's great it's not easy either right but i guess now getting into how it develops maybe you might be wondering how does this even happen to a person where does this stem from mm. I was thinking that same question. I definitely was. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we talked about this earlier, but this it comes from the article again, that codependency is not a clinical diagnosis. There's no like formal categorization for as a personality disorder. There's a dependent personality disorder, but it is different from codependency. But continuing on with the quote from the article, generally speaking, codependency incorporates aspects of attachment style patterns developed in early childhood and it can also overlap with other personality disorders, including dependent personality disorder. And I guess we brought that up a ton a lot already, but it can also stem from dysfunctional family dynamics where problems are never discussed and or repressed, and those problems are repressed. And it really goes back to the attachment style that the that you as a child or a codependent person develops as a child and becomes codependent, I guess, on a parent in a way, and they just... That did, that becomes their almost like an ego defense mechanism, and a way to defend themselves is to be a martyr and to be mm-hmm. 
um, always giving. That just that's how they find praise as a child, and that's how they saw that modeled maybe by a parent, or they had that type of dynamic with the parent, where their t- attachment or their feelings of worth came from sacrificing as a child, and so it just yeah continues on through adulthood. Like most problems or personality disorders, it stems from childhood. So. Freud was onto something, I guess, but onto something, Mr. Freud, Mr. Freud, Mr. Sigmund, but that's kind of where it stems from. There's not much beyond that that really comes from childhood and attachment. Yeah, I think it mostly would come from the anxious attachment style. Yeah, definitely. to where you want to avoid those anxious feelings that you've developed mm-hmm. in your family, and so the way you do that is you attach to someone in a relationship. And you do everything you can to avoid those anxious feelings that you were able, that you did feel as a child. Mm -hmm. And so you do that as being a giver, which is not a bad thing. But when you do it over and over again, then that's what becomes an issue. I mean, that's this thing with anything really Mm -hmm. is too much of anything is a problem. Too much giving, that's going to be an issue if you're not receiving like a theme of the episode so far yeah yeah it conceptualizes it really well because you can give all you want as long as you're also receiving mm-hmm. but if you're giving a ton and not receiving that's when it becomes a problem it's that puzzle piece or that fishbowl analogy yeah picture. you're giving way too much water to the other fish and it's at your own detriment yep now you're probably saying enoch austin but what can be done about it <laughs> how can i how can I get help? I think I'm codependent. Fear no more. I think of a Metro Man in a Megamind when he says uh, that random citizen's like, I love you, Metro Man. He's like, I love you too, random citizen. <laughs> <laughs> so for you random citizens out there, there's a solution. There's help for you. <laughs> Uh, I know you're probably saying right now, I love you, Enoch and Austin. I hope so. We love you too, random citizen. <laughs> <laughs> so the first step, this is from Very Well Mind, is the first step in reducing codependent tendencies is to focus on self-awareness. Pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> this can be done on your own, of course, but Dr. Mayfield also stresses the importance of therapy to help you really unravel your codependent tendencies. I think this is a, a great, a therapy is a great resource for codependency because you have a third party, someone to mm-hmm. look from a non-biased perspective and tell you, okay, this may be a little more on the codependent side that you're doing. And they'll just be able to give you more perspective that you may Mm -hmm. not be able to see. And doing that with your spouse or someone that would probably have a little more bias, it can be more, it can be difficult to talk about your codependency traits and uh, help them help you recognize them when they're probably going to have some more bias on their side. Yeah. And even just unknowingly too, they won't recognize the fact that you're giving so much and they're taking Especially if it's like an, a non-narcissistic person. They're just going to be like, well, or a narcissistic either way. It Especially could like They won't recognize it like, well, I'd, I didn't feel this way, but maybe you do feel this way. And so therapy could be good for couples or individual just to help talk you through, like you said, pointing out codependent traits. Like, yeah, this is codependency. We should work on this. And so the article gives some really great 
insights, just a few from the article that we took. This is my personal favorite one that I feel like has helped me with my codependent traits. It says to take small steps towards some separation in the relationship. Seek activities outside of the relationship and invest in new friendships. Focus on figuring out the things that make you who you are and then expand upon them. Mm. And we always shout out Tony Overband's um, podcast and he has some really great insight on this on his podcast. And he talks about the term interdependence. The opposite of codependence is interdependence. And that is two mature, responsible adults living parallel lives, basically. That you rely on each other and are dependent on each other in the way that, like, two countries are dependent on each other to, like, to trade food and resources and energy. And, like, it's just a give and a take back and forth. Like, I buy your thing from you and you take my product from me, like an economy does. And so it's like an economy, like a good give and take where you, there's an exchange, not like a transactional relationship because that's different, right, right. but you have a symbiotic relationship where you rely on one another in a healthy way. And yep. so like you, you give, that. give and take each other in, in good constructive ways rather than the giver and the taker that we just talked about. And so this has helped me like being okay with going fishing and my wife becoming okay with doing things by herself, like working out when I don't want to work out because I have a hard time right. working out and um, I've had a hard time saying no to her. And I think she has a hard time saying no to me when I ask her to, I've asked her to go fishing with me. And I think she has a hard time saying no to that. And I think that's our codependent trait a little bit that we just have a hard time saying no to each other mm-hmm. and living, letting each other live their own lives. Yeah. And I think that's a hard thing to do because you, especially as a new married couple, I found this with my wife that you just want to be with them and mm-hmm. you feel like you have to be with them and don't get me wrong. I do. But as we talked about, you can see how that tendency or that habit can lead to just codependency where you just rely on each other and you both kind of become givers or one becomes a giver and one becomes a taker and you just give way too much. And so, yeah, just focusing on becoming a symbiotic inter- interdependent relationship where you live closely intertwined but still parallel lives. Yeah, I love that. I'm glad you brought that up because I think... I mean, that's definitely something that we're going to talk about more on the podcast in Absolutely. the future. Yeah. Probably, I can see the future, episode 42, Interdependence. Interdependence. If you want to know what that is, go listen to episode 42. Boom, boom, boom. Next week, of course, because it's not even out. <laughs> but I think interdependence is such a beautiful thing because when people think of relationships, they think of always relying on that person for your happiness because there's a ton of videos mm-hmm. on Instagram that are just... Oh, they're good intentioned videos, but they say like, it's dramatic, you know, beautiful music in the background. It's like when you can't do anything without your significant other, your mm-hmm. loved one, and you want to do anything for them all the time, you know, something like that. Exactly. Not exactly that, but you get what I'm saying. And then it's like, oh my gosh, that's so heartwarming. Yes. Like, sure. But no, at the same time, like you need to do things by yourself for you. You still come first. Put the mask on yourself before you help other people, right? Mm -hmm. That's including in your relationship. Now, in in an interdependent relationship, both of you will put your mask on at the same time with each other. And then you can go about doing whatever you want because you both have your masks on because you're both independent. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a weird concept interdependence but again we'll break it down in the future anyway 
So the next little step you can do here is become president of your own fan club. I love this. Learn to speak lovingly and positively to yourself and resist the impulse to self-criticize, says Dr. Dr. Exelbert. Exelbert. Clutch, Dr. Exelbert. Always coming in. But get yourself a shirt that says, vote for your name. Vote for Pedro. As exactly, <laughs> just like uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Be your own, your own president. Make your own shirts. Self-care. We've said it several times. Self-care isn't selfish. Mm-hmm. Even in a relationship, you need to take care of yourself. You come first. And I love what Dr. Exelbert says here is learn to speak lovingly and positively to yourself. And I would add be patient with yourself. And yeah, say no more. There you go. That's what I have on that. Yeah, find ways to be healthily proudful of who you are. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. Like, and that, that's hard it. for me to um, obtain. And I feel like I don't know if that's like a middle child trait or whatever it is. I just had that mm. hard time my whole life being okay with being my own fan and like and what you like to do, sing my own praises. I guess. Yeah. Um, in a healthy way because right. we're not going to get into narcissism. But yeah, <laughs> that's okay to do that. And I think it's healthy. And I'm not the biggest fan of positive positive affirmations all the time, but I think that the basis and foundation of what they are, I think positive affirmations can be beneficial in building up some self-love for who you are and to not change thoughts and to not to change feelings, but to build some self-worth and to have a better self concept. So, and it kind of goes into the last thing that you can do to help with your codependency. If you do have it, or if you have some traits is to find ways to stand up for yourself. If someone criticizes you or undermines you or tries to control you. And that's just like an overall the foundation of what codependency is, is not being able to stand up for yourself and putting yourself yeah. second. Yeah. And that's just like an exercise that you can do. Um, if you're codependent, you're likely to not stand up for yourself. I know that I'm somewhat codependent. I wouldn't say full blown codependency, but I have the traits and I have a hard time standing up for myself. And so some of you might as well, if you feel like you have those codependent traits. So that's something that you could focus on outside of your marriage. That if someone is criticizing you at work, or if you have a friend that under undermines you or a coworker that undermines you, you can stand up for yourself and practice that. And that might help you build the relationship or I guess the strength that you need to implement that into your relationship. Because mm-hmm. I know as a codependent person, it might be hard to imply that into your relationship if you're terrified of losing the relationship. So right. maybe try it outside right. of the codependent relationship in question, like work and things like that. Yeah, take little baby steps. Yeah, to practice ways to become more resilient, more... More, um, I'm trying to think of the word. I can't find it, but standing up for yourself. There's a word for that. Don't know what it is. Um, being able to do so is going to be a big trait of importance. I'm losing my words now. I'm getting tired. (laughs) It's going to be important to you on your path to healing from codependency to stand up for yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think the unfortunate thing is standing up for yourself is, Society views this as you're being selfish, you're being mean, that either you don't want to do what I do, or like if someone says, for instance, we just taught a class tonight, Guiding Good Choices, on refusal skills. Someone says, hey man, let's go smoke a cigarette. You say, you know, I'm actually not going to, because that's something that I've decided that I'm not going to do in my life. And... A lot of the times, honestly, that's viewed as being rude. 
or mm-hmm. mean like culturally yeah yeah to the other person that's offering you this thing and they're saying oh what you think you're better than me like no i'm just standing up for myself you know i'm being confident in who i am confident in my values confident in what i want in life and so again it's going to be feel really uncomfortable when you stand up for yourself even if you're not a codependent person I think all of us at times have a hard time standing up for ourselves, and it's going to feel awkward and it's going to feel like you're doing something wrong when you stand up for yourself, but you're not. You are, again, protecting yourself. You come first. And a lot of people would say, oh, well, that's selfish. Like, it's not. It's being confident in who you are. It's called boundaries. Mm-hmm. And... You deserve it. And it's going to feel a little weird, a little awkward, but like anything, if you just practice, it's going to feel more natural. It'll come to you easier, and you'll be more confident in standing up for yourself. Here's an exercise for you. I just thought of this on the spot. Oh, I, let's this, hear it. We can end it out with this. I'm excited. Um, me as a putting myself last type of person, always have been that way. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I feel like it's not a bad thing, but if you're a codependent person and you want to have an exercise to stand up for yourself and to put yourself out there as a, as an important figure in the world rather than just a sacrificial lamb that you sacrifice yourself to make other people happy. Yeah. What you could do maybe is the next time you're at a function, family function or work function where there is a line to get food, put yourself in the front of the line, go get food first. Cause as a person for me who always puts myself last, I always wait till everyone else is eaten. Mm hmm. And the food's cold and everything. And I do that just because like, I feel like I'm being cordial, respectful, and make sure everyone gets food before I do. But you could say that as a codependent trait, where I'm making sure other people are happy before I'm happy. Other people are fed before I'm fed. You always get the cold food. Yeah. And um, yeah. that necessarily, again, this is not a bad thing. But if you want an <laughs> exercise to try to focus on giving yourself, putting yourself first and in a healthy way or just mm-hmm. a way to do it, um, don't wait to be the last person in line. Jump right in when they say the food's ready. Be the first person in line um, as just a way to practice that skill of standing up for yourself and saying, I do deserve food. I deserve for it to be warm and to get exactly what I want and not have anyone else, not to be gone since I'm the last person. And do I it a couple that. of times. And yeah. if, I don't know if you want to go back to that at some point in your life where you want to be the last person because you just like being respectful for the people and you like making sure other people enjoy themselves. Every now and then that's fine. Good exercise to do. I would say try that out. Yeah. I kind of did that tonight with our little guiding good choices. Yeah, thing. we and did. We instead got of food waiting first. for everyone to get there to get yeah. their food, like we usually do. Yeah, we just hopped in line and got food and started eating, and it was fine. Nobody died. Everyone got food, and no one was, was fine. judging us. And it was okay. And so the same yeah. thing is going to be for you. Maybe try that out the next time you. There's a line to get food that has been prepared for you. Don't wait so long as you jump right in. Do. Stand up for yourself to know that. You're just as worthy as anybody else to get food very first. Mm-hmm. So, little goofy exercise, but try it out. I love that. Yeah. I I feel weird just thinking about doing that. Yeah, I, I got anxious thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I did tonight, too. But try it out, and yeah. hopefully you learned something. If you did, and you feel like maybe someone you know could learn from or appreciate this episode, share it with them. Leave a rating and review. If you're listening on... Um, Spotify, maybe try going to the top of the page, leaving a rating. Tell us what you really think. If it's one star, leave one star. (laughs) If it's five stars, leave five stars. If you're on YouTube, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. And we're always able to 
be reached out to on social media on instagram so shoot us a dm what about therapy and um we'll get back to you so hopefully you guys learned something hopefully you enjoyed and we will talk to you or be talking at you next week (laughs) have a good one what about what about therapy what about what about therapy what about what about therapy What about therapy? What about what about therapy? Yeah. What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy? What about what about?